0: You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hydepark.church. For some of you this morning... Today on graduation Sunday, I know some of y'all are watching that video thinking that this, that was depressing. Okay, it's it's depressing that time goes by so fast and it goes by really fast. Um, If you're uh, new to High Park this morning, my name is Ryan Sebastian. Uh, I'm the student pastor here at High Park. And I know some of you guys are in the same situation. You know, the older I get, uh, the older my kids get, the more time flies by. I don't know what it is about my when my kids are getting older, and I'm a young father. And the older I get, and sometimes I forget how old I am. I don't know what it is, but when you go past 30 years old, you start forgetting how old you are. So every time somebody asks me that question, I have to sit there and just pause and think about how old I really am. But when you look at the book of James. In the book of James says this in chapter 4. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that when, you, when I read that passage, it's depressing. It's depressing to hear and to know how fast time flies. Okay, the sad thing, again, is is to think about how fast time goes. See, life is a string of phases, and each one of those phases don't last forever. Okay, you know, the the phase of being a child, then you enter into adolescence, and then you enter into adulthood, and then you enter into retirement. Each one of those phases is short and doesn't last. So today, today I want to, I'm going to talk about a little bit of my heart as a student pastor this morning. So today, we're going to be talking about the adolescent phase of life. Um, I want you to know that adolescence is actually between the ages of 12 to 25. Okay, I know some of you think that once you're 18, you're an adult. You may be adult legally, but mentally, you're still in adolescence. In fact, your brain doesn't completely develop into adulthood until about age 25. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry if you're out here and you're in your 20s, you're still an adolescent. Sorry. So if, if, biologically, your mind is still changing. So I I love the adolescent phase because it's such an important phase because it's one of those phases that we just can't, Miss. Okay, we, we we love the ch- the childhood years. Okay, we we love babies, love toddlers, love pinching their cheeks and talking about how cute they are. But for some reason, nobody likes adolescence. We don't want to go back and be an adolescence with all with all the changes that are happening and, you, and pimples and girls and all the emotion and guys and all the emotional changes that happen. In fact, if I were to describe the middle school. High school and college years, if I had to pick one word, that word would be change. Because there's constant change going on in adolescence. There's physical change, there's, there's emotional change that's going on during that time. You know, my relationship with my mom and dad actually changed. When I was a child, um, I thought my parents were awesome, okay? I, used to, I wanted to be around my parents And I wanted to be around them, cling to them, do what they want to do. I wanted them to play with me. And then the adolescence years came. When I became a teenager, I didn't want to be around my parents as much anymore. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to be with people I thought were cool. I didn't want to hang out with them anymore. In fact, I got to a point where I thought I was smarter than my parents. And I thought they really weren't that bright. Um, and then, the, see, the adolescent phase is an intense phase of life. But it's such an important phase. See, adolescence is a phase where it's the last time the c- cement can be molded. See, when you look at uh, cement, when you, when, you, when you take cement, when it's wet, you can mold it into what you want it to be, shape it into what you want it to be. But once it gets harder, and harder, it gets hard to shape it. See, adolescence is the last preventable phase before we get into adulthood. See, everything that you are now, everything you enjoy, every, everything uh, that you like, your personality, all that is really molded during adolescence. And all that was cemented in your adolescent years. And that's the last time they can really mold a personality. See, there are a lot of you here that are struggling with stuff today because of the mistakes that you made as a teenager. But There is stuff today that I have to live with and deal with from mistakes that I made when I was a teenager. See, so you 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 can't change those phases. You can't change it. In fact, in fact, the only thing you know, when your life is cemented from what mistakes you made during your adolescence. God can change it and mold you as an adult and remove some of that out of your life, but it's a whole lot more painful because all those decisions were already cemented in who you are. So, and so we need to make sure that we don't miss this phase. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of us do, uh, whether it's parents or whether it's the church at large, a lot of times we skip this phase. See, we, we miss this phase. And sometimes, to me as a student pastor, it's, it's frustrating to me because I love pouring into this generation. It frustrates me so, that so many people put this phase on pause and during the adolescent years for some reason. See, when they're, when they're children, we pour into the faith, we take them to church, we take them to Juana, we don't give them a choice. We read their Bible to them and we pray with them at bedtime and then they become teenagers. Then they become high schoolers and then they go off to college. And we, w- we want to put pause for more quote-unquote important things. Maybe things like education, grades, sports, clubs, relationships, and all that solidifies and who they are and who they become. So then we wonder why when they, wonder why later on in life, when they enter adulthood, that, that they stop coming to church, they're not as keen to faith anymore, or they completely walk away from their faith. See, we can't miss this space. I, I want to give you two ways or two things that we need to keep our focus on during this phase. And the first one is this. Adolescence is a phase where we reaffirm our beliefs. It's a phase where we reaffirm all our beliefs. Now, this all starts in the mind, okay? How many of y'all have ever looked at a teenager, or ever seen or heard someone looking at a teenager and say this? You have lost your mind, okay? Have you lost your mind? I know I, I, my mom used to do this when I was, when I was in high school. I'm going to be honest with you, I was a moron when I was in high school, I I thought I was smart. When in reality, I was not. And it took me until my uh, uh, early to mid-20s to realize my parents were actually smarter than me. And during this time, I can remember my mom looking at me and saying, have you lost your mind? Have you lost it? But here's the the thing. They have actually lost their minds. Okay? Adolescents have actually lost their minds. What do I mean by that? Now, I'm going to talk a little, bit, a little bit of science here for just a few minutes. So in the adolescent brain, what we call the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain um, behind, uh, behind your brain, it's the part that makes up your personality. Okay? It's the part that defines your interests, the part of your brain that also defines your decision-making. Okay? And all this part of the brain in adolescence begins to change. And they almost seem like they're losing their minds. OK, so, so when you're a kid, when you're a kid, your brain is like a sponge. OK, you're, you're, you're t- teaching your kids information. That's the reason why the first three years, it's so important, because that's the, pretty much the period of time in your life where you learn the most. It's where you learn your language and a bunch of other st- stuff during the first three years. So a child's brain is like a sponge seeping information, the seeping information. That's why kids ask the question, why, 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 to most everything you tell them? Because their brain is a sponge. It's because they have these new cells in the brain that they're trying to fit in and feel with all this information. Okay, but then comes along the adolescent years. And this is what happens in adolescent years. The brain already is, is already built roadways of information that was built in a child. And during that time, they are trying to get used to this new development. Their, their brain cells start producing and start, on the synapses, start firing about 200 times faster than the eyes of a child. And this is why when you, when you maybe if you experience this as a parent or a grandparent, when you maybe ask the question, when you, uh, how can you not do your homework? I know that's a question i get asked a lot when I, was in, when I was a teenager. How can you not do your homework? And they look at you and they maybe say something like this. I don't know. Or, if you, or you look at them and said, you said, why haven't you cleaned your room? And then uh, five seconds later, they're on their couch in front of the TV, playing on their phone, and you ask them, did you not hear what I told you to do? And they look at you and they respond, I don't know. Uh, guess what? Sometimes they really don't know, okay? So what happens, it kind of gets lost in the transfer of information what we call the adolescent brain. So during this time, it's basically going to go through this process of of their brain developing. It takes 10 years, about 12 years old to age 25, 10 years of their brain maturing and changing into adulthood. So all these decisions that you can make, you make really fast. For adolescents, they're just gaining this ability of thinking fast, making decisions at a faster rate. They didn't have to do this in childhood. And because of that, the brain goes through what's called pruning. The brain actually develops a what's called a lose-it-or-use-it strategy. This is why most of you who took uh, algebra, advanced math in high school, and you don't use it for your careers or your jobs, don't remember a thing, okay? I remember what the logarithmic formula kind of is. I, have, I don't remember what it's used for, okay? Because your brain starts to develop a use it or lose it strategy. And now other things that are really important, again, is what your brain uses and keeps. And this is what solidifies in your brain. And then along comes adolescence where the brain begins to look at information that's put in and it starts doing something for the very first time. Adolescents gain the ability to question and doubt information. They gain the ability to question and doubt information. And this is something that wasn't done in childhood. Because when they're in childhood, again, everything your parents tell you, you keep and believe is fact. And this is the reason why Scripture talks about having faith as a child, because you believe it and take it at face value. But adolescent brain starts doing something a little bit different. They start questioning things like, is math really useful? Do I need to keep this in my brain? Is God really loving? And then they start asking more questions for the first time. Is God real? Does prayer really work? See, during the phase of adolescence, they begin to question and doubt absolutely everything. And this is crucial and this is important. See, adolescents start to have these questions, and a lot of times they, they don't feel like they have someone to feel comfortable to coming with these questions. Uh, they, they start thinking things like, I can't ask those at church because I have to pretend like I know everything. I just got to believe in faith without, without asking questions. You know, that, that described me when I was a teenager. I grew up as a pastor's kid. In church, there was a church every single time the doors were open, and I felt like and I was struggling with doubts when I was in middle school and in, even into high school, struggling with doubts and feeling like I cannot talk to anybody about it. Because I, had a, I was a preacher's kid, I had to put on a face. I felt like I had to put on a face in front of everybody. And so they keep those things quiet. And then they, then parents, when they start, when your kids start questioning their faith and having hard questions, sometimes as parents, we feel like we have failed, that we're bad parents, and that's simply not true. Questioning and doubting is all part of transferring information into an adolescent brain. So, question answering is not bad. In fact, uh, a lady named by Kara Powell who is the executive director of Fuller Institute, a research institute, said this about doubting. Doubt isn't toxic to faith. Silence is. Doubt isn't toxic to faith. Silence is. See, a lot of us think if we got doubts, that means our faith is falling apart. I know for for me, for me personally, as, as an adolescent, as a teenager, that was true to me. I felt like I was losing my faith when I started questioning is, is this Christian thing? Is, is it really real? Is God really real? And where it becomes toxic, it's, uh, where it becomes toxic is if you have doubts in your mind and you have no one to help you determine if this is something to keep, or is this something to get rid of? And one thing I learned later on in life, when I was in, I was in college, in my mid-20s, I learned slowly that Jesus can handle our doubts. Now when you look at Mark chapter 9, leading into Mark chapter 9, you have uh, Christ who's coming from uh, the mountain transfiguration. He's transfigured with all of his glory to a few of his disciples. And he's coming down the mountain. We have a father who's desiring for his son to be healed. The disciples are there and didn't know what to do and couldn't, couldn't heal his son. And he comes up to Christ and he says this in Mark chapter 9. But if you can do anything Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. See, I I love this cry of this father. He cried out, "I, I believe, help my unbelief. See, I believe this is the cry of the adolescent generation right now. Help my unbelief. Uh, We have to be willing to step into this generation, step into this space, and not let them miss it. So, how do you make the uh, the most of the adolescent phase? How do you make the most of it? I'm gonna give a few key things that you can do. The first one is this: don't push pause on faith development. Don't push pause on them growing their relationship with Christ. Don't push pause. Uh, them growing in the faith, don't push pause. So I, I know there are a lot of important things out there for an adolescent. Uh, things, things that we think it's 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 important. Things maybe like homework, get in school on time, not uh, don't miss school, sports, dance, clubs, having a social life. See, a lot of times what we do is we push pause on them developing in their faith, so that we can do so that our kids can experience something else. So we, we can't push pause on faith development. And maybe some of you think, well, well, these things are more, they're important because we want them to get into sports, we want them to get into clubs, we want them to get perfect A's because it's so important for college, and college is important. But what begins to happen is that kid starts thinking this eventually. All right, let's do those things instead. So we can't hit pause on during the adolescent phase. The second thing is this, is that your family and even this church become the safest place to ask questions. This is how God designed the family and this is how God designed the church to be a place that's safe to come with our doubts and our questions. And The third, and third thing is we need help. We need, basically, we need to help them own their faith. Make it theirs. Not mom's, not dad's, not Hyde Park's, but this is mine. See, we need to help them own it, and the way to do that is surrounding them with a faith community of people who can answer, help them answer the tough questions, their questions of doubt. And I, I love what happens next. See, adolescents. It's a phase where we mobilize our faith. Where we mobilize our faith. See, the first part of adolescence, we're filling up the brain with our faith and information about our faith. And then you begin to take that stuff wherever you go. Now, and I, and now, when it comes to the, towards the end of adolescent years, it's all about freedom. Okay, when I, I was so excited, the day I turned 16, got my license, could finally drive to work, because so I started working when I was 14 and a half, finally can go drive to work without my parents taking me, go to Walmart when I want to, and then after that, graduating from high school, going to college by myself, doing what I want to, when I want to. In adolescence, it's all about freedom. But adolescents, at this later years, are, they start asking this question, how can I matter? See, they're also asking, how can I have a meaningful faith? You know, in church, we have a huge answer to that question of how can I matter? So adolescents in the room, I want you to hear this. If you want to matter, if you want to do something exciting with your life, if you want to go into this world and see the world change and you be used to do it, here's how you matter. Follow Jesus. Pretty simple. Follow Jesus. See, Jesus is someone who wants to reach this world, and he wants to use you to do it. So if you're sitting around with your information, your brain full of information, your faith, and you're not going anywhere, and this is true for adults as well, you've completely missed what Jesus has called you to do. You've completely missed it. Jesus wants you to mobilize your faith. Now, when you look at Matthew uh, 28, it should be a familiar passage to all of you as it should know. And towards the end of Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission. But sometimes when we, when we look at the Great Commission, we, we kind of want to skip over verse 17. Uh, but what I want to do this morning is I want to start with verse 17 this morning. When you look at Matthew 28, verse 17, it says this, When they saw him, they worshiped him, and some... Doubted. Now it says, some doubted. Now the, these are the, talking about the 11 disciples who've been with Christ throughout his entire ministry, saw him heal thousands of people, saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, saw Christ crucified, raised three days later, and then it says how some doubted. So they worshiped him rightly so, began some doubted. Now when, I know some of you, when you look at this passage, you may be thinking, well, this is probably talking about Thomas. we always want to give Thomas a bad rap and kind of pick on him a little bit. So this is talking about doubting Thomas. But it says some, which means there has to be at least two, if not more. So Jesus looks at his 11 disciples and some of them are doubting and doubting still. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus says, you're exactly who I'm looking to use. You're exactly who I want to use. And then he goes on and with this message. He continues and says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Okay, He's saying that even though some of you are doubting, struggling with your questions, I can use you and I desire to use you. In fact, here's I'm going to answer some of your questions. I'm going to mobilize your faith, mobilize your doubts in the way where you're going to use get the answers of your doubts by actually doing what I've asked you to do. And so Jesus actually mobilizes the community of Christians in that day. So adolescents and adult, if you want to matter, follow Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross and raised from the dead so you can go to heaven. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so you can go into the world and bring heaven to earth. See, in the, when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, okay, Solomon wrote this book, and Solomon was towards the end of his life writing this book. Now, Solomon is considered one of the wisest men who ever lived. And as he starts writing this book of Ecclesiastes, he be, kind of begins it saying that everything is meaningless. Maybe the reason that Solomon thought everything was meaningless was because maybe in his adolescent years, he was asking the wrong questions. Maybe he was asking, how can I make more money? How can I be the richest man in the world? Because during that time period, he was one of the richest kings in that time period. And he looked over all that, all the riches that he had, and he ends up saying, this is absolutely worthless. See, I, I, I believe, when you look at Solomon, I really believe that throughout his life, he was asking this question because it's a question that we all struggle with because we all struggle with a sinful nature is how can I be happy? How can I be happy? And for some reason, I, 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 some reason as Americans, we pursue this question. How can I be happy? How can I, my family be happy? How can my kids be happy? So Solomon pursued this question, maybe for success, maybe for fame, make me happy, maybe women will make me happy, because he had over 700 of them. And he got into his life and he realized the pursuit of happiness is meaningless. It's absolutely worthless. Or or maybe he was trying to pursue success. Uh, Maybe he was asking these questions, how can I make more money? How can I be happy? How can I be successful? See, if those questions is what mobilizes you and pushes you into adulthood, you're going to end up like Solomon. You're going to look at the end of your life, be at the end of your life, looking back and realize everything you've done to this point was absolutely worthless. So if you want to live a meaningful life, you've got to answer this question, how can I matter? Figure out how you can make a difference in the world, and that's where you're going to find your joy in life by impacting this world for Christ. So spend your one small, brief life on something that matters. Grab a hold of Jesus. Grab a hold of your faith. Grab a hold of everything that is meaningful and then go out into the world and make a difference. Reach this world for Christ. See, adolescence is a phase that we just can't miss out on. And, 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 if, and as we close, I got a question I want to ask is if i could have a time machine if i could put a time machine up here in front of y'all and and you can go back in time to your and relive your adolescent years relive it would you okay most of you probably say absolutely not okay who wants to go back to being picked on, being made fun of, one arm being long to the other, and dealing with emotional issues with guys and girls and all the drama, and then there's pimples. Okay, who, who wants to go back and relive the adolescent years? Now, if I switch the question, how would you answer? If you can go back in your adolescent years to have a time machine, go back in your adolescent years and see your adolescent self and give your adolescent self advice would you do it i think most of you here would probably say in a heartbeat okay if i can go back to 13 year old ryan and tell him it's okay god is with you stop worrying about everything stop going pursuing that addiction Um, some of you i think would go back and maybe say stay away from that relationship stay away from that addiction Because if we mess with that stuff now, it's going to be part of who we are the rest of our lives. Now now for me, when I was in high school, I played football. I was completely consumed with sports, specifically football. And I would love to go back and say to myself, you play center, you weigh 225 pounds, and you're barely six feet tall. Stop thinking you're gonna play in the NFL. Okay, it's just, it just not going to happen. Instead of spend time on some things like with God, spend time in his word because that is the stuff that's going to last. See, this is stuff where we're going to need to have cemented and a part of who you are for the rest of your life. Don't push pause. See, the unfortunate thing is that none of us can go back. None of us can go back and fix our mistakes. We have to, we have to live with what we did during our adolescent or teenage years. But here, here's the go- good news. Even though that phase of life is over for you, it's not over for everyone. It's not over for everyone. So maybe, maybe instead, instead of taking a, a time machine, maybe you can really go back in time and spend time with a teenager to an adolescent and give them advice that you wish you had. Investing in them the way you wish someone did to you. Maybe you can say, hey, maybe that's not the greatest of relationships. Maybe that's not the pursuit you should go after. Hey, maybe Jesus is more than who you think he is. See, adults, we have the opportunity right now to eternally impact a teenager the way we wish somebody would have done to us. So I don't know what that looks like, but maybe for you that maybe that's to taking a group of middle schoolers or high schoolers and just opening God's words and, and just sharing how God has completely transformed your life, and say, hey, do not make the mistakes I have made, or maybe it's just taking a teenager out for coffee, and just looking him in the eye and just say, I care. See, adolescence is a hard and difficult phase, and they need someone to sit down with them and to answer their questions and their doubting and their struggles. So you can be one that helps them with the information that they have to decide. Have to decide, is this worth keeping? Is Jesus worth keeping? Is this faith worth keeping? Is this whole Christian thing worth it? They need you to do that. Adolescence is just a phase. Don't let this next generation miss it. What I want to do is I'm going to do something a little bit different here in a little bit. But what, what I want you to do is I want you to think about that. Don't let them miss it. Let's pray. God, I just I'm just thankful, so thankful that you're here, Lord. I'm just thankful for the, for the time that we get to worship you. I ask you, just please, with each one of us here today, please help us to, to really look at our heart and have a passion for this generation of adolescents, Lord. God, just please with the adolescents that are here, the teenagers, college students, please help them realize that they don't need to push pause on their faith development. They Only push pause on you. Please help them have a passion, heart um, to grow in their faith and know you more, Lord. And God, and just please with us as, as parents and as adults, please help us not push pause, but invest in, in the life of an adolescent, the life of a teenager, Lord. Um, and God, just please help us this morning. And please help us not to push pause on this phase. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Hyde Park Baptist.